What is up, everyone? This is the Talking Orange podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Finer, and today I am joined by Matthew Gutierrez of the Daily Orange. We will be talking about what Matthew Moyer has been up to since he transferred to Vanderbilt, Ty's battle's aggressiveness, O'Shea Brissett's finishing at the rim, and previewing Syracuse's game against Boston College. Without further ado, let's talk orange. So I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, we have the head beat reporter. One of the three. One of the three yeah. beat reporters for the Daily Orange, Matthew Gutierrez. Matthew, what's up, man? How are we doing? Thank you. Pleasure to be on here. Hey, well, we love having you on. We'll have you on anytime. This is uh, Talking Orange again. Uh, so today we're going to be previewing the Boston College game, but also talking a bit about uh, what's been going on this week, some of the work that's been published both by Matthew and uh, over at Noons, talking a little NCAA tournament prospects, and uh, and that's about it. We'll keep this one short and sweet, hopefully get you guys out of here quickly, um, get you ready for the Boston College game. Uh, so Matt, you, Matthew? Matthew's preferred, but it doesn't matter. Matthew's Let's go preferred. with either. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll go with Matthew. Matthew, you wrote about, you caught us up on another Matthew, Matthew Moyer. <laughs> yeah. Could you tell us uh, what you learned from your conversations with Matthew? Yeah, so Matthew uh, spoke with him briefly about two weeks ago. He looked back on his time at Syracuse, two seasons, played one, redshirted one. Uh, and he basically said it was sort of a, an unpleasant start to his college career. Um, nothing horrible or anything, but injuries really set him set him back, and he didn't get the playing time he necessarily uh, had I, coming out of high school that he was kind of set. If he were to sketch out a plan, yeah, he would have had definitely more of a more of an expectation. So that was the main gist. And then where he fits into Vanderbilt, he's learning the, the man-to-man uh, defense for the first time in three years, right. uh, which, is un, which is very uncommon for a college guy. And uh, he's taking more outside shots. Not shooting great, but his numbers are around where they were last season with SU. Yeah, so hopefully he takes a step forward. I mean, obviously we're all rooting for him. He's a great guy, you know. I mean, things didn't work out at Syracuse, obviously, but we uh, we wish him the best down there at Vanderbilt. Definitely cool yeah. to catch up with him. Uh, that was a nice piece that you wrote there. Thank you. Better uh, weather as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely better better weather. We're getting uh, we're getting a lot of snow tonight. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, so you also wrote a piece about Tyus Battle uh, and how he might need to, you know, step up his, uh, his aggression when it comes to attacking and scoring. You want to talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. That was kind of something in the back of my mind for a couple of weeks. Um, basically, right around Georgetown uh, is when I kind of got the initial thought and just asked some players, you know, a couple minutes after each game, really kind of poking away at it. Spoke with Devo about it. He's he's quoted in the story as saying, uh, Tyus is sometimes, this is paraphrasing, but Tyus is sometimes so talented that he kind of lays back. He needs to attack more. Right, um, and this is Eric Devendorf, and This right? is Eric Devendorf, yeah. yeah. So while he's probably one of the more aggressive players to have ever played in Sir, at Syracuse, at least in the past two decades, um, it does it does have a, a, quite a bit of weight, and his teammates agreed. Uh, and so I, when I caught up with Tyus Saturday night, he scored 10 points at Virginia Tech. He was by himself in the locker room. Usually there's, you know, 10 cameras around him, five cameras. And he basically said, yeah, I do need to be more aggressive. That's the bottom line. 
um, and he needs to take it to the basket more because even when he misses, things just develop, broken plays, just off more stuff happens on offense. That's more that's the the big gist there. Yeah, right. And something that um, my co-host of Unpeeling Syracuse Basketball on Sundays, Bobby Manning, uh, him and I, we might have missed on this past week was the odd week from Tyus Battle, especially following such a great week that he had against Duke and against Pittsburgh. He followed that up with a half against Miami, where he took two shot attempts and failed to score in the first half. And then against Virginia Tech, again, he had just 10 points. The whole team didn't look great, granted. uh, But yeah, your your article was pretty timely, I thought, um, when it came to the context of Tyus maybe stepping up as a scorer for this team. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I had written about half of it on the drive down to Blacksburg Friday, and I was just going to kind of hold it maybe for another week. Maybe Tyus would have had a great game at Virginia Tech, and then maybe it's not needed to say. But then uh, he had 10 points. I think he didn't even get a – he had Syracuse's first field goal on Saturday night. It was at the end of the shot clock because of Virginia Tech's uh, high-pressure man-to-man. But aside from that forced shot, which was a shot clock violation, one of four in the game, um, Tyus's first shot didn't come till the 11-minute mark. That is an issue that the the best player doesn't get a shot in the first nine minutes. Right. Yeah. You gotta you gotta make sure your players are getting the basketball and taking their yeah. shots, especially in an offense that isn't much of a system. Yeah. We'll call it. Uh, as we know, uh, Syrac- <laughs> Syracuse kind of just puts the ball uh, in the hands of their players and says, like, you know, go do it, Jim Beheim. I guess you could just say uh, he rolls the ball out there for the guys. Yeah. Um, over at Noon's Magician, uh, I wrote about. O'Shea Brissett a little bit, uh, and just to just to touch on this, recap the article in case you missed it over there. Um, kind of talked a little bit about how O'Shea Brissett, you know, when when he's attacking the basket, he's anticipating contact a little bit more. Uh, we actually have the GIF up here. We're both looking at it. He's anticipating contact, and that sometimes leaves his uh, layup short. He's not finishing as consistently as he could be yeah. at the rim. What are you seeing there, Matt? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean. We can kind of even bounce back to last year. I think you touch on it in the early part of your article, but O'Shea kind of broke out, especially second half of last season. Uh, even in the, even in the first half, what what was present, which was very clear, was he can get to the basket against a lot of defenders. Uh, most of the time, he will get into the paint area, which is a really good sign. But even last year at the, in November, it was it was very clear that he had some trouble around the rim. Um, Adrian Autry said last March in Omaha that. The sky's the limit for the kid. His his only glaring weakness, at least inside, is is finishing. So he he kind of said that in March. And the the only, I guess the the main negative thing there is he hasn't really shown improvement there. Um, I've seen him a lot a lot of times shooting a lot of threes before practice, after practice. I know that's a focal point for him, trying to not have so many line drives, and kind of touch up on his on his form. But finishing-wise, if he can finish, he's, he's getting like 20 a game, you know? Right, definitely. He, he could take that step forward for sure. Uh, I, I even mentioned it in the article, and I, you know, I refrained from writing so bluntly. But I was I just wanted to say, you know, just go up and dunk it, man. Right. Yeah, like he In one of the gifs that I uh, included in my article, he, he kind of double clutches at the rim when, you know, he's one of the more athletic players on the floor. He should just be going up and yeah. throwing the ball down over guys uh he's definitely capable of it uh we mentioned i briefly mentioned his turnovers and those come from the top of the key pretty frequently we won't 
put too much emphasis on those. But again, his shooting struggles, uh, where he was a 32% three-point shooter I believe last season Sounds about yeah 33 percent excuse me he actually regressed this season to about a 29 percent clip but you said that you saw him uh focusing on his shot what'd you say yeah no he shoots a lot before before practice with red and that's not a new thing he was he would work an hour before practice every practice uh last year with with red in particular um the extent at least in the times I've seen it were behind the arc where um, on, a, on a few misses, for example, Red said you got to sit more because um, sometimes O'Shea, it seems like he kind of is tall in his shot. Um, and he's already so high up and his release is so high that he can't afford to really sit on his shot uh, and kind of rise up and get some more leg. And that would probably help him get a little more arc uh, rather than the line drives that he hits. Because even some of his makes are line, are line drives. you know. And right. I don't want to say it's luck, but there's kind of a luck component there. Yeah, and I briefly touched on uh, his his bottom half as well. Sometimes mm-hmm. he'll rotate his bottom half, which makes it tough for him to remain consistent on his top half when he's finishing his shot. Yeah. But overall, I mean, he went he went and saw a, a shot doctor, if you will. He went to he went to a specialist, you know, this summer to work on his shot yeah. and. Uh, Things, I guess, just didn't work out, but, you know, he'll have another offseason this coming year. Obviously, he has room to continue to improve this season. Uh, hopefully, we'll see it. We obviously want the best from him. Hope, like, I mean, not at this point. We're expecting him to leave for the <laughs> NBA draft, no. but but uh, it'll be, well, we'll welcome him with open arms next year. Yeah, figure he's going to be a, a really solid junior here. I, I would anticipate him returning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, so... I guess that uh that'll kick us off into the Boston College game. You're uh, you're heading out to Boston College tomorrow morning, right? Yeah, as long as the snow uh, doesn't keep coming down. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so Syracuse is 14 and six, uh, 14 and six coming into the contest, five and two in ACC play. As you guys know, they lost their last game at Virginia Tech. Um, this will be their second game of a three-game road trip. Um, and this is the eighth game of ACC play here for Syracuse. Uh, John Casillo over at NoonsMagician.com, he actually just posted a piece earlier today, um, yesterday for you guys now listening. He talked a little bit about what the rest of the path looks like uh, for Syracuse basketball when it comes to their tournament prospects uh, and their chances of making the tournament. Now, we can hit on a, a little bit of this later, but did you see anything in the schedule uh, rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, we, I think we talked about it briefly, but there's there's a few games that I think maybe even John had had mentioned it in his article, but they, they got to be take care of the BC, the Pittsburgh, uh, foremost, and Clemson, and ideally Wake Forest, and those have to be wins. And then you hope that if you're Syracuse to to get an NC State on the road, they just put up a fight against Virginia. Um, that'll be a tough environment to play in, especially on a weeknight. Um, but you're gonna have to take care of a an NC State or or upset UNC. UNC looked a little vulnerable against Virginia Tech. A Louisville at home. A Louisville definitely will have to beat Louisville, and those are all not <laughs> not easy wins though. So right. I think if Syracuse plays like they've been playing the past couple games, which is kind of a little inconsistent, we could be in a similar situation to last year, where it could go either way on Selection Sunday. Right. So we, we're looking at about five more games, including tomorrow night actually where Syracuse is favored by three points uh, as of now um, that Syracuse will be favored so five games in which we should we as in Syracuse Syracuse should be favored uh, and that leaves 
six games where Syracuse will be the underdog and will need to outperform. And in those five games, Syracuse is probably going to need to win all of those, and if not win all of those, at least pick up another uh, win or two to increase their resume, or boost their resume, rather, uh, to hop them into the conversation of being securely in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and, and, and just quickly, beating beating Duke at home, for example, that would be that'd be definitely a statement win. To have two wins against Duke, and you would assume the second one would be Duke having the two, their two starters who they didn't have last time. Right. Um, yeah, so heading, <laughs> circling back a uh, little detour there, uh, circling back to the Boston College game. <laughs> we uh, Syracuse is 47-26 and 26 all-time against Boston College, 4-2 and two in the last six matchups. Syracuse has actually split with Boston College each of the last two years, and Syracuse has lost on the road the last two years, which uh, yep. that Boston College, I don't know what the name of their arena is, uh, but it's been a tough place yeah, for Conta Syracuse. Forum. Conta Forum? Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a tough place for Syracuse to play uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, kind of a, a older venue. Um, it's got an interesting kind of college basketball feel. It gets kind of loud for how few fans at least were there last year on a weeknight when BC was was uh, sort of out of it. But um, And they did have their first winning season, as you mentioned, there in several years. But uh, I think the, the shooting looked a little awkward for Syracuse and they did turn the ball over a ton last year but the way the I don't want to say there's a depth thing going but it did seem like it would it was a little odd the back the back the backdrop yeah gotcha yeah so I've I've never been in that arena myself but you know like there's different gyms that kind of give that uh different look for you or is it are uncomfortable places to play uh so yeah last year when Syracuse visited Boston College now Syracuse beat Boston College at home uh, lost at Boston College. Kai Bowman uh, went full Justin Robinson. Justin Robinson, <laughs> uh, need I not remind you, uh, dropped 32 yeah. on Syracuse. Uh, Virginia not Nine t- threes. Yeah, Virginia Tech guard, nine threes. Two program records. Right. <laughs> Kai Bowman was five of six from three in the first half last year against Syracuse uh, with 17 points in that first half. He ended up finishing with 23 um, Syracuse turned the ball over 15 times in that game, and Tyus Battle scored 29 in the losing effort. Uh, so to talk a little bit about Boston College, uh, they're led by fifth-year head coach Jim Christian. Last year was the Eagles' first winning season since 2010-2011. So the program might be on the upswing this year. Uh, they're they're above 500 as of now at 11 and seven. They're two and four in the ACC, however. Um, they lost two key key contributors from last year's team in Jerome Robinson, who was their leading scorer, and Dante Hawkins, who was actually their leading rebounder. So two key pieces um, that hopefully Syracuse could capitalize on this year. Um, Boston College is riding a two-game winning streak coming into the game, and this season they have notable wins against Florida State and Minnesota, and bad losses against the Indiana University of Pennsylvania and Hartford, both at home. Wow. So, bad losses. Yeah, we don't know what, what BC team's going to show up uh, right. <laughs> against the zone. It could be a very dangerous BC team. Yeah. Very dangerous when we'll get to that. So, I don't know if you saw the game against Florida State, but they dropped, I I can't remember if it's 11 of 24 or 13 of 24 from behind the three-point line in their upset win over Florida State. Did you catch that one? I caught just a glimpse. Yeah. yeah so, I wouldn't be able to two verse, but I think it just, it just shows that BC... Not not exactly the same as last year, but they're a team that's going to be 
smaller guards who might give some trouble to the SU guards because uh, they're kind of small and quick, and they can hit threes if they're going to be open. Uh, like like Syracuse had trouble locating shooters against Virginia Tech, and the, the key thing there was they were able to get the ball to the high post, and then three shooters opened up on the three shooters opened up on the uh, on the arc. So if if Boston College can get the ball to that high post area or get or have some inside outside action, that could be uh, a good formula for them. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, different. We saw two different ways of beating Syracuse. Syracuse's two most recent losses. We saw a Georgia Tech style where it was slow down the pace, uh, play a zone, settle it in, and let Syracuse shoot its way into a hole. And then we also saw the high-intensity, high-pressure play from Virginia Tech, uh, which uh, Andrew Godnick of uh, newsmagician.com actually wrote a nice piece about that was published on Monday. Um, But... I expect Boston College to come out with more of the Virginia Tech style uh, because of the makeup of their team, and we can get to that in just a second. Do you have anything to add? Yeah, no, just Virginia Tech reminded me a lot of UConn at MSG as far as the defensive pressure, just constantly on the ball, uh, constantly in passing lanes. A lot of times Syracuse players just kind of maybe hold the ball. They're good individual talent. None of that is works against the types of teams that are just out on you cutting off passes. I think Tyus even said not only was it hard to drive, it was hard to pass the ball. Like he, You had to really think about the pass you were making. Right, absolutely. And so something that we didn't see against Virginia Tech uh, that we are going to hope to see, and it'll be something to look for right away in the Boston College game, yeah. will be the way that Tyus Battle and Frank Howard are handling that pressure. Yeah. Uh, once they are immediately faced with it, whether uh, it's just the second they cross half court or it's full court, uh, they need to assert themselves early on, play aggressive, and uh, set the tone for the offense yeah. that will otherwise be stagnant if they can't uh, – if they can't initiate the offense. Uh, So to touch a little bit more on Boston College, uh, Boston College is shooting just 32% from three, which is in the bottom third of the country. Uh, Take out their game against Florida State, which I had mentioned earlier, when they got real hot shooting from behind the arc, and they actually drop all the way to 30.5%, so a full percentage and a half drop. Um, They have the 18th fewest turnovers in the NCAA, so they take good care of the ball. And they're averaging 15.7 assists per game over their last three games, something that could definitely help them against Syracuse with the passing. I mean, we talk about, I don't have the stat in front of me, but Virginia Tech and the number of assists they had, it seemed like every basket came on an assist, whether it was a dribble drive and dish or, you know, through the high post, and then they find the guy on the wing or the corner, the corner especially early on, oh my goodness, who drills a three. And that corner is usually on the SU bigs to get out there. Um, but yeah, t- the yeah. assist number is is could be uh, could be scary. Yeah, so Syracuse obviously going to make sh- have to make sure that their uh, their rotations are quick enough, closing out on shooters, making sure uh, Boston College isn't getting any good shots, making sure that they're not packing in too tight mm-hmm. uh, uh, when Boston College gets the ball inside the zone, uh, because they're going to need to make sure they stay out on shooters and right. not let. Uh, Boston College hopefully catch fire or hopefully not catch fire yeah. uh, as they had against Florida State. Mm-hmm. So key players to watch out for tomorrow: six-one guard, junior Kai Bowman. We saw him last year. We know who he is. He's a great player, NBA draft prospect. Uh, he's scoring twenty point five points per game, eight point one rebounds per game, and three point six assists per game. He's actually the Eagles' leading rebounder as a guard. 
he he can really get up there and he hustles like crazy. He's all wow. over the floor. So liken him to Justin Robinson wow. uh, from Virginia Tech. We're gonna see another dog like that out on the court. He, yeah. He's gonna get after it. And Kai just quickly uh, turned down a football offer from Alabama. So oh, did he? He's a free athlete, absolutely. And you, you will see that tomorrow night for sure. Absolutely, yeah, especially on the defensive end. He can really get up in the face of defenders. Yeah. Um, he's also shooting 36% from three, so that'll make him a threat on the perimeter. Um, then they also have this, uh, they have a 6'11", 243-pound junior forward, Nick Popovic. Uh, he's from Serbia, and I read a quick piece. Uh, I wish I could give him credit. Uh some Boston publication wrote on him. Um, he's averaging 13.9 points per game and 7.4 rebounds per game. He plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because when he wasn't heavily recruited and when he was recruited, people thought he was soft. So he likes to prove that he can be physical down in the yeah. paint. You yeah, know, no, that's, a, that's an issue from the get-go that Syracuse had was interior defense. You'll take any scoring as a plus for Jim Beheim. He doesn't have Pascal there right, to, from to score, but he's there to, to alter shots and just get boards. Uh, so that'll be an interesting matchup to see how the SU bigs with Marek kind of mingling in at the five spot occasionally, um, and then O'Shea when O'Shea drops from the four, uh, to see how they kind of can can defend a huge body and not only 6'11", but he's 240 solidly built. Right. Yeah. So he's going to be a tough matchup for Marek, Marek, excuse me. Yeah. And uh, so we'll expect to see more Pascal as we have been uh, in yeah. recent games. Yeah. Um, Popovic, just to close out on him, he's crafty with the ball. He handles the ball actually pretty well. Uh, last year, he threw a nifty behind the back pass as he led a transition <laughs> break. I was watching some highlights earlier today. Um, and he likes to play with his back to the basket when he can. Uh, I expect him to play the middle of the high post uh, against the Syracuse zone. Uh, we'll see how he handles that as a passer. Um, but definitely a look that he's seen before because he played that role for Boston College last year and, may, and the year before a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, he's a capable mid-range shooter, so Syracuse won't be able to totally leave him. Yeah. So we're running a little long here. Just to close up quickly, uh, talk a little bit about the narratives. If Syracuse wins, what are we looking at? If Syracuse loses, what are we looking at? We'll start off on the winning side. Um, if Syracuse wins this game, not sure there's a whole, much, a whole lot we could take from it. Yeah, not a whole lot. I think it would be interesting to see how, how Tyus and Frank evolve after a 10, 10 and 11 points respectively at Virginia Tech but more importantly this is just a bounce back win that they need really right yeah definitely and uh, an opportunity to build momentum as mm -hmm. they head into Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and close out their road trip um pick back up you know throw uh throw the Virginia Tech tape throw that game in the past yeah. and then just pick back up here get the ball rolling pick up where they left off against Miami um so there's that opportunity for them, but again, they're not gaining much on their resume no. from this win. Uh, I think I believe it's a quad two win. That sounds right. Uh, and, and one thing, real quick, on when you mentioned Virginia Tech, I just think in the locker room Saturday night, the vibe was very much not so much down. It was very much this game is over. We just got smacked. We're moving on to Wednesday. Good. It was clear that that was the case. Um, just in the way the mood was. Not that they were happy, but it, it wasn't a you know, Moby locker room, like it, you know, occasionally is after a loss. It was a very much, uh, let's move on to Wednesday. Right, right, right. Oh, that's good to hear that. Yeah. Um, so definitely, you know, with the win, they need to, or to get the win, they're going to need to put that game behind them and move forward, uh, start start anew and uh, begin to build this momentum. However, on the losing side, if they lose, Syracuse might have a problem on its hands. 
Yeah. A loss here at BC would be uh, two straight. Uh, yeah. A. And then B, uh, a Boston College team that you you just like need this win right now, especially heading into Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh uh, at least had a rough first half tonight, Tuesday night, and looks like they're going to lose to Clemson. But uh, <laughs> heading into Pittsburgh with two straight losses, a Pittsburgh team that could give difficulties having faced Syracuse already once just two weeks ago, uh, could be uh, kind of could something to watch for here. Snowball, yeah. snowball effect. Yeah, that would that would make it three losses, a three a three loss road trip. Not right. something you want. Right, definitely need season. need to avoid it. And yeah. with uh, with just eleven games left of uh, conference play, excuse me, Syracuse is going to need to make sure that they're winning the games that they should win uh, yeah. in order to uh, maintain their resume so that they can end up in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so, yeah, a loss here, not a good loss, a game that they should be winning. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely would set the mood back a little bit, I'd say, uh, <laughs> yeah. among fans and maybe among players as well. Who knows? Uh, so prediction time. We'll get into predictions. Matthew, why don't you go first? Yeah, just real quick, take this with a grain of salt, like all predictions in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But I would say Syracuse 60 Boston College, 59, expecting a tight game that really could go either way. I figure it'll come down to the last few possessions. I just think there's two two real solid teams, not two great teams, but two solid teams going at it. Yeah, definitely. And as you're saying, uh, take this one with a grain of salt. I'm going to go Boston College here. Uh, I'm going to take Boston College by a score of 68 to 64. Um, and I think that Kai Bowman has been playing out of his mind uh, and Boston College will come in prepared, ready to fight. They've been they've been better, uh, especially at home as of late. Uh, could present problems for Syracuse, especially if they get that ball moving, uh, as Virginia Tech had. Virginia Tech laid out a very nice game plan uh, that Boston College, I expect, to follow suit. Um, but, you know, obviously, let's go orange, and uh, <laughs> Syracuse is going to need this win uh, moving forward in ACC play as the schedule gets much harder beyond this week uh, as they close out this road trip. Um, so that'll do it here. Uh, Matthew, thank you for thank joining you. me. Thank you very and, much. And uh, that'll wrap up this episode of the Talking Orange podcast. You can find me, Dylan Finer, on Twitter at DFines31. You can find Matthew on Twitter at uh, MatthewGoot21. Well. At MatthewGoot21. Um, follow the podcast on Twitter at Talkin' Orange. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And let's go orange.